Are we there yet? Anybody heard that? And they are just tired of waiting, aren't they? So they just keep saying that. I was reading this story of this this older lady. She was coming from deep in Texas somewhere, heading north, and she sat right behind the bus driver, fortunate for him, right? Andrew's bringing my, I forgot my table. And uh, anyway, she was heading north, and she kept right behind the bus driver, and she kept saying, uh, are we in Cockville yet? Are we in Cockville yet? And she just kept saying this, a little further down the road, are we in Cockville yet? And every time he was trying to, at first he was being super nice, you know, and he, and little by little, he was just getting frustrated, but he was like, no, we're not there yet. I will let you know when we're there, thinking that she would quit asking, but she never quit asking. She just kept saying, and finally, they were in Coffeeville. She says, is this Coffeeville? And he's like, yes, ma'am, it is Coffeeville. And he was a little bit excited, too, you know. So he pulls over the bus here in Coffeeville, opens the door, and, and she doesn't get out. And he's like, lady, this is where you get off, right? And she says, I just want to know if we're in Coffeeville yet because my daughter says when I get to Coffeeville, I'm supposed to take my blood pressure medicine. She was going all the way to Omaha, right? <laughs> and he was like, give me some of that too. But here's a little... Um, caption that I, little cartoon that I found. <laughs> Next rest area, 40 years. Let me tell you, that would be some waiting, wouldn't it? Waiting until you get there. I, I don't know anyone who likes to wait. Um, waiting can test your faith, right? Uh, what are you waiting for this Christmas? I mean, what is it that you are hoping happens in the midst of Christmas. My mom's waiting for a family gathering, and it's not going to happen this Christmas, so we've already scheduled it for July. Okay? Uh, what are you hoping for this Christmas? Well, the government gave us a Merry Christmas present, didn't they? You know, the, this vaccine. Aren't you excited? I think we were more excited for the anticipation of it coming, then now that it is here, I don't see all the excitement on people's face, you know? I think it's almost like, you know, back in the day when mom would line up her kids with castor oil, and they all knew that they are going to have to take some, but nobody wanted to volunteer to go first. And that's kind of the way I see it now, you know? It reminds me of when I, me and my buddy were trying to get the other person to touch the hot fence, and we were like, you know, like, let's do it together. Let's do it together. But nobody would, you know, as soon as we say go, nobody touched it, you know, because we were trying to get the other person to go first to see if it was really that bad uh, before we did it. But anyway, that's kind of the thing. So is, is it a Merry Christmas present? I don't know. I hope it is. Um, what are you waiting for? In the Gospel of Luke, uh, we come across two characters, and that's where I want to take you. So if you want to go there, Luke chapter 2 but we come across two characters that appear in the final act of the Christmas story. Um, they get left out in the nativity scene because it's kind of after the fact. But, but let me tell you, this is some important stuff. And, and I, just trying to look at the Christmas story anew, afresh for myself and for the church, I thought, man, we, let's, let's take some time and look at Simeon and Anna. 
because they're really important characters of our Christmas story. Uh, but they are all about waiting, aren't they? They're just waiting. In fact, they're waiting on someone. They're waiting on Jesus, getting to see Jesus. So let's look at this uh, story together. In uh, Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 22, it says, When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. I want to pause this for a second. What does that mean that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel? Well, this word waiting, it is some, this is literally what it means, a little translation is, to ask for something earnestly. To ask for something earnestly is, is to ask uh, a request, a plea, an appeal, earnest request. He was... This isn't like, you know, the, the type of prayer that you offer right before you drift off to sleep at night. This is the one that keeps you up at night, and you're just asking it over and over and over again. This is, this is a, an, an earnestness that you pray pretty much every day. It is just like on your heart, on your mind, almost all the time. This is the kind of thing that was going on with Simeon. He was waiting for comfort, you know, the consolation. He was waiting for God to come through for him. And that's the kind of thing we have. So let's start in verse 26. It says, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child, the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up, in his arms and blessed God and said, "You know, at this point, it doesn't. There's no indication that Mary was shocked by this old man coming and taking her child, you know, from her. I, I, I think at this point she was probably just used to it. You know, these dirty shepherds show up and they're always, you know, putting their hands on the kid and then the magi and all. I mean, it just it seems like everybody is just wanting to touch Jesus. So I think it just seems like that she just kind of gives up on all that, but." But verse 29, it says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For your eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. There just seems to be this satisfaction with Simeon getting to lay his hands on what he's been waiting for all this time, what he's been praying for all this time. Verse 33, it says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about them. And I bet that every time somebody touched Jesus and they prophesied over him or they, you know, spoke over him, they remember with, with, the, with the shepherds, she marveled at these things uh, that was going on. And it just, I bet that just filled her up, you know, just... Every time, it's just emphasized over and over that this child is special. 
And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, her mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. We talk about this in Sunday school a little bit, but, you know, obviously Jesus was the chosen one, the anointed one for the whole world to take away the sins of the world. But what does he say to Mary? But the sword is going to cut your own soul, your own spirit. In other words, this isn't, when, when God said, you who are highly favored, you know, you have to really wonder what that means, that she was highly favored. That's what we talked about in Sunday school, because it wasn't like, oh, I was chosen. You know, I mean, when Mary says, do to me as you would wish, it wasn't like it was enthusiasm. It was like, oh my, what have I gotten myself into? Um, and uh, obviously he's even prophesying here that she's going to have a tough, tough life. You think it's tough now, you know, having a child that everybody thought that it was out of wedlock, right? Um, uh, it's just, it's just beginning. And, uh, and she, he kind of lets her know that. But in verse 36, it says, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then, a, then as a widow until she was 84. Now, remember, they, they got married in their teens. I mean, she would have been a young girl probably when she got married as a virgin. And she married her husband, and she was married for seven years, and, I, and he passed, and now she's a widow. And she has been in the um, synagogue, you know, the church area, for 84 years, living in the temple there, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So again, there's just this, this, this woman who has been waiting for a long time. Uh, maybe not even really understanding what she was waiting for. But listen to the last verse here. It says, And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And she was just one of those, waiting. Remember what waiting means? This waiting, it was, I mean, it really emphasizes it there that she was fasting and praying day and night. There was a longing in this woman's heart that uh, that would not go away for like 60 plus years, almost 70 years. She was just waiting for this to happen. Uh, definitely two older people who are like, are we there yet? I mean, you know, really, Jesus, I mean, God is the driver, but you know that these, these people were pestering God Day and night. Are we there yet, God? When's this going to happen? And, and the old guy was just relieved. Like, you mean the journey is over? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the salvation. Thank you for this. And this old lady just feeling relieved and wanting everybody to know around her that the waiting is over. You know, sometimes you wonder when the, your kids say, are we there yet? Are they Are they?" Are they excited about the destination? Or are they just wanting the journey to be over? And I kind of think that there's a, probably a little bit of both here, right? I mean, they were excited about what God was bringing into the world, 
But I think they were also relieved that the journey is finally over. It's been a long haul. You know, God wants us uh, to be not passive in our waiting. And by the way, you're still waiting. I mean, there's some things that have been concluded. One that has been concluded is Jesus is coming to this world. You don't have to wait on that anymore. You don't have to wait on what he accomplished when he was on this earth because when he was hung on the cross, he sealed it, right? He made it uh, absolutely clear that he conquered death on your behalf and that you have this ability to be resurrected again just like he was. And so we don't have to wait on that anymore. But we're still waiting. What are we waiting on, church? We're waiting on him coming back and getting all of his people. And then finally, the journey will be over. But God doesn't want us to be passively waiting. He wants us to be actively waiting. So what do we do? How do we wait? Well, let me give you seven things, and I promise you, we're going to zip through these things really fast. The seven things that we ought to be doing as we're waiting. Number one is, is that you have to believe that God hears your cries. Do you see that? I mean, these people were waiting not just weeks, not just months. They were waiting year upon year upon year, and they were believing that their prayers were going to be answered. Do you remember back when we were looking at Zechariah? He's in the temple. He goes in to, you know, do the, his routine and to sacrifice for the people. And when he gets in there, you know, an angel appears to him and says, you're going to have a child. What does he say? In the midst, other than you're going to have a child. Well, let me just read it to you. It says, And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And what was his first response? Like, dude. I've been praying this for years. I'm an old man, and now you show up. But we have to remember when we're waiting that we have to believe that he hears our cries. Because I think sometimes we have these cries, and we know what it's like to wait, right? Remember, it's earnest requests that we just make. Our heart's just breaking, and we're just looking for God to answer us. And sometimes the waiting can be so long. But you can't quit believing. You know, let me read a couple other verses just to emphasize this. In Isaiah 38, verse 1, it says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And, and Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die you shall not recover then hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the lord and said please O lord remember how i have walked before you in faithfulness with my whole heart and have done what is good in your sight and hezekiah wept bitterly what kind of prayer was that that's one of those waiting prayers that we're talking about right and then jesus then the the word of the lord came to isaiah go say to hezekiah Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayers, your prayer, and I have seen your tears, 
Now, you can't fake tears with God. Remember when we used to do that with, with kids? <laughs> I, I remember. I got to get some tears going here because the pain and the, and the uh, discipline always goes easier when they see you crying. But uh, you can't fake this with God. But let me tell you, tears go a long way with God. Real tears, genuine tears. Behold, I will add 15 years, is what God says. I'll add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. And I just want you to know that prayers are not wasted. If you're offering up prayers to God and you they're heartfelt prayers and they're earnest prayers, don't ever think that they are just making it to the ceiling. Sometimes they can feel like that they're not going far. But God hears you people so pray then Aaron you remember this one in first Samuel chapter 1 it says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly there it is again I told you he likes tears and Jesus bowed a, a vow and said and she bowed a vow and said O Lord of hosts you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but, but will give to your servant a son. Then I will give to him, give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his his head. She she said, continuing praying. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart; only her lips moved. And her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that took her to be a drunken woman. But did God answer that prayer? Yeah, she had Samuel. God heard it. You know, Micah chapter 7, verse 7, it says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the Lord of my salvation. My God will hear me. So remember, when you're waiting, we're not passively waiting, but one of the things we're doing is we're believing in the midst of our waiting. Here's the second thing that you can do is you can put your hope in his word as you're waiting. Did you see that in verse 26? It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, this is Simeon, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And then in verse 29, it says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your what does it say there? Your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in, in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to all God's, all, all your people Israel. And we are tempted to put our hope, I think, in a lot of things, you know, in what people tell us, you know, what the government tells us, uh, what how our teachers going to you know test us or or tell us how we're doing the doctor we're going to put our hope in the doctor and he's going to tell us how we're doing and it's so easy for us if we're not careful to put our hope in other things other than god but where our hope should be is in his word and what he says for us to trust in it and what it says here's another thing that you can do and that is to trust the lord and not lean on your own understanding they're they're similar but they're different you see, Anna, she was, um, life was going good for Anna. Married for seven years, and then life just fell apart for her. 
And here this poor woman was just broken and lost. When people are devastated, they have choices to make. And one of it is is they have to decide who, whose understanding are they going to lean on. And sometimes, you know, this woman could have went in a whole bunch of different directions. She could have leaned on her own understanding. And her own understanding might have said, you know what, just, just escape. Just grab you a bottle, get whatever you can get, and just flee. You know, our own understanding would say, you know, there's something, this world still can offer you something. You just got to go out there and find it. You just got to find a new guy. You just got to find a, a new career, a new direction. But sometimes when we do that, it's more of us trying to take the situation into our control and start leaning on our own understanding. But what I do see in here is that there is an, a woman who just refused to do that. Where did she go when all this happened? She went straight to the temple and never left. That was a long time, too. I mean, don't you think that in like 70 years of waiting that she would have thought, you know what, maybe that wasn't a good choice? I don't think so, though. You know, as a preacher, I've been involved in this for 30-plus years, right? And I have seen so many people come into so many situations. I've probably seen most of the situations you can come in contact with. And I've seen some people lean on their own understanding. And I've seen some people lean into God even more and just try to help, you know, let him be who decides for them. And just lean on his understanding of this situation. In 30 plus years, anybody that leans into God and his understanding, I don't see full of regrets. I don't see like, man, that was a waste of time. I don't think this woman would have ever convinced anybody around her that she just wasted her seven years hanging out in the temple. But what I do see is when people start trying to lean on their own understanding, trying to create their own, that they just get into one thing after another, and it's just a, a roller coaster heading downward, and, and it just leaves them full of regret. And I just want you to know that when you're waiting, wait upon him. Why is it that we are so tempted to depend on our own wisdom when things happen? You know, what makes us think that we know better, right? We don't know better. The one who created the universe knows better. And for us just to lean on him. Here's the fourth thing, and that is to find ways to enjoy the journey. I remember when I was a kid, we would go on these, I, it seemed like long journeys to me. I, I found out from my parents, I knew we always went camping, but it just seemed like it took forever to get there. You know where we used to go camping? Ulagoff. But it seemed like a long ways, I'm telling you. We did go to California one time. My grandparents went with us. And I remember on those seemed like endless trips, my grandpa, who would sit in the back with us, he would, he would see our restlessness, and he would see that we were about, you know, done with the journey. And he would start creating games for us. One of them was just like counting cows. You know, like he put one of us on one side of the window. This window is yours. This window is yours. Have you guys done stuff like this? 
I mean, and my grandpa would say, every time you see cows, you know, you count. But you can't count individual cows. There's too many of them. But you just like, you know, there's a pasture cows. I got one. And then my brother. And we see who got the most. So they keep us interest, entertained for quite some time. And it just made me realize that that's so important in the midst of our waiting is just finding ways to find enjoyment in the journey. I mean, it's, we're just trying to pass time, you know, trying to figure out. And that is where God, I think, is so good about providing that for us. And he gives us children, and he gives us grandchildren, and he, he gives us all kinds of blessings to just help us stay in, you know, occupied in the journey. But I, I think that that's one thing that is important. I want to tell you this. I think this is really important, too, for us to understand this as we're going along in life. When, when I define goodness by uh, uh, things that bring me comfort and happiness and, and, you know, just feeling good, if I define goodness in this way, then anytime something is trying to rob me of that, you know, comfort and, and happiness and things, I, I will think that, that that is, you know, that they're against me, that it's threatening me. And so all of a sudden I would find myself end up questioning God. Like, God, what are you doing? Why, why are you taking this away? You know what I'm saying? Like, Anna could have questioned God because she was a follower of God. What does it say about Simon? He was upright and devout, and he was a follower of Jesus. Couldn't those people just would have questioned and they would have if they thought, if they defined goodness by making my life good. You see what I'm saying? But they didn't. What they did was they believed goodness was what God was going to give them. And they were waiting for that. Jesus Christ came into this world for what reason? To save sinners from their sins. He came to be the answer to all of our issues. He came to take us, not to, to make heaven here but to to create a place for us to go to that is going to be heaven and and we have to just keep in mind that uh, that is our destination so why we are going through this waiting for that to take place for us to just you know find joy in the, in the journey things along the lines of the journey but realize that that's not the reason I'm in the car is to count cows we're going to where the destination is. But it's okay to count cows because it preoccupies us. But just don't get wrapped up in that. You know, like that's your destination or that's your purpose. Because it's not. The purpose is better than that. Here's the fifth thing, and that is to wait until he says the waiting is over. And I just want to emphasize that they were in it for the long haul. We already did that. I mean, she, she would have been doing this for long time i mean literally like 70 years she's waiting simeon it, i don't know how long he's waiting but obviously the way that he responds to it he felt like he was waiting a long time for this to take place god's goodness is promised to those who wait patiently and as we go through the word of God, you can find people who wait and wait and wait upon God. And then you will find examples of people who waited, 
but this is not worth waiting for any longer, and they give up. Who do you think is going to be disappointed in the end? It's always going to be the people who never make it to the, to the destination. Simeon got the spoils, so to speak. He got to hold the child. He got to make over and get to see the consolation of God. Anna got to see the salvation of God because they finished the journey. And it's so important for us to understand. I want to read to you one of my favorite passages in Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 32. This is, I like the whole thing, but this is probably my favorite section of that chapter too. And it says, and what more shall we say? For time will fail me to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who were, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, every were made strong out of weakness, become mighty in war, put foreign armies to, to uh, flight. It just, you know, we have all of these Marvel movies, and I don't know what's, what's Marvel and what's the DC movies and stuff, but, but that's what I picture in my head, you know, like if they were to make one where all of them are showing, you know, this, this uh, 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 caption of, of them, that's what I picture is going on here with God. And it says in verse 36, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. There were they were stoned, they were sawed in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in sheep about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Oh my goodness, can you imagine? Now that's a story different than Simeon's and Anna because they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And they didn't even get to see what was promised. Do you think they were disappointed for hanging in there and waiting all the way through? I guess it's yet to be seen because I can only tell you what I believe in the word of God, but I don't think they're disappointed. One day we'll find out, but I'm almost sure. I'm like 99.99999% sure that when we get there, we'll find out that they weren't disappointed at all. And it goes on, it says, since God has provided something better for us, that part from us, they shall not be made perfect. The NIV says in verse 40, it says, God has planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And you know who that's talking about, don't you? The Christ Jesus. That's why they were super excited that he finally arrived. Here's number six. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. And there's no lack of evidence of that here, right? That they quit praying. The whole word that we looked at, that word waiting, is, it's, it's an earnest plea. But it's, a, it's an earnest plea, like I said, it keeps you up all night because you don't give in. 
you continue to pray and pray and pray. Our temptation is, is when we are faced with something where God has got us waiting, we pray and we pray and we pray and then we get tired. And then we begin to forget a day. And then we just kind of stop. Don't stop. Part of waiting is being proactive. And part of being proactive is continuing to offer your request to God. Believing that he hears you, which is where we started, right? That he hears your cries. And here's the last one. And that is to remember the destination. I think that always helps on any long journey, doesn't it? It's to remember what it's going to be like when you get there. If you're traveling clear across country to see grandkids, just remember the smiles. Remember the memories that you're going to get to create. Remember what you're going to do when you get there. And that helps with the time. I think grandparents are better at that anyway. But for kids to remember where they're heading, you know, and to where the destination is. And as long as our hope is set in this life for where our destination is, and we aren't there yet. That's why this waiting is still ours. Like I started, they were waiting for Jesus to appear. He's already appeared. They were waiting for, you know, salvation, and it was guaranteed at his death, burial, and resurrection. But now we're waiting for the second coming. Jesus Christ came to offer eternal life, freedom from sin. So what is the destination, church? It's Jesus. You know, it's in, in Hebrews chapter 12, after one of my favorite uh, chapters that we just read, it tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To fix our eyes on Jesus. He's our destination. He is the reward. He is the goal. So, you know, I just, this Christmas has got a lot of us waiting. You know, we're waiting for things to go back to normal. Some of us are waiting for a, a, another time in the future that we can gather back like we used to. Waiting for church to get back to the way it was. But there's things that we can do in the midst of our waiting. And it's just remember that our hope is in Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for just the love that you have for us. And, and to be honest with you, Father, we, as we go into this communion time that uh, Sean's going to lead us into, I'm, I just want to thank you for periods of waiting. They're not wasted. It can sure seem like from a worldly viewpoint that people who spend all of their lives waiting for you to show up or to come through, it can appear that they are wasting their days. But you have shown us over and over, and you show us again today, that that is just not true. That what you have us waiting for is always worth it. And I thank you for waiting in general just because of what it does for us. It just strengthens us and it strengthens our faith. It helps us, Father, to just develop a, 
a better relationship with you because waiting often causes us to really uh, look for you and to try to see you in everything. So, Father, I just pray that you would use our time of waiting to benefit us, to draw us closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.